Welcome to the Off Lead Podcast, presented by Gun Dog Outpost. My name is Tyler Meaden, and I am your host. On this episode, we have Justin Vandihai on from Cooperstown Kennels in Vesper, Wisconsin. And the topic of the day is APLA tests. So Justin trains and breeds Hall of Fame caliber pointing labs, including the unicorn that is Teddy, who's pretty pretty famous. You may have heard of him if you're, if you're in the lab world. Uh, so we talk about Teddy, uh, how Justin got a start, and of course the topic of the hour, American Pointing Labrador Association tests. So if you're not familiar with these tests, the APLA, um, how they work, what's involved, this is gonna be a great place to start. I learned a ton um, and I was semi-familiar with, with them. And I think I think you're going to learn learn a lot as well. Now, before we get into the episode, we of course have to talk about sponsors. First up is Gun Dog Outpost. It's a store that I created. If you could all do me a favor, please head over to GunDogOutpost.com. Check out the merch that's out there. Anything else that's out there, just got a new uh, shipment of slip leads in. Anyway, any sales there help support this podcast and vice versa. Your support is greatly greatly appreciated. Second is Hoist, aka IV level hydration in a bottle. It is my go-to beverage post-training session. The weather is finally starting to warm up here in Wisconsin. And uh, 70 even just feels hot. It feels really hot. Um, if you're not further south, you're probably laughing at me that 70 feels hot. Anyway, I uh, was out the other day outside for a couple of hours, baking in the sun. I'm feeling completely drained. Slugged a bottle of Hoist, uh, which is one of three Department of Defense-approved electrolyte beverages. And... Uh, Drove home 15 minutes later, felt great, felt refreshed, felt rehydrated. I say this all the time, I say this in every episode, but if hoist is good enough for our troops, uh, it's definitely good enough for you and me. So if you'd like to give it a try, head over to drinkhoist.com and use the code GUNDOGOUTPOST, all caps, one word, to get 10% off your order today. Last, but certainly not least, is Dakota283. They make some of the best kennels and other dog products out there for your four-legged hunting partner. They just recently launched Dakota Guard, which is the next line of defense to keep your dog safe. So what it is, is antimicrobial protection against the likes of Salmonella, E. coli, all those other little invisible organisms with, with uh, weird names that, that can make your dog really, really sick. So. It's added in small batches throughout the production process. The end result is protection that you can't see, but it's there for your dog, which is the most important part. So if you'd like to learn more about Dakota Guard and Dakota 283's list of products, head over to dakota283.com and check out what they have to offer. If you find something you like, go ahead and use the code GDO10 to get 10% off your order today. All right. That's it, intro's over, let's go ahead and dive in. Justin, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Tyler, appreciate it. Absolutely, thanks for taking the time to jump on and as uh, as we get started here, why don't you give some background information, your name, where you're located, the name of your business, and anything else you can think of? Sure. So, Justin Bandyhigh, I live up in central Wisconsin in a little town called Vesper, uh, just west of Stevens Point. Um, our business is Cooperstown Kennels. We breed um, and train pointing Labrador retrievers. Been doing that for about 10 years now. And we run competitions with them all over the country and do a few litters a year and and uh, have a lot of fun with it. So, All right. So 10 years in business, how did you get started and how did you get into pointing labs? Yeah, that's a great question. So how did I get into pointing labs was a complete fluke. Um, so I like to tell this story. I was in graduate school and dating my, my wife. Um, we were... We just met not too long before that. And I told her, uh, I'm either going to get a dog or a new bow because I'm a pretty avid hunter. And uh, I grew up with uh, Springer Spaniels hunting rough grouse and loved it. And, but I, I enjoyed duck hunting and, and the Springers just couldn't handle the really cold water. So, so yeah, I think I'm going to get a Labrador. 
or uh or a new bow and arrow right i like to archery hunt my my girlfriend who's now my wife convinced me to get the dog because she loves dogs and she thought in the back of her mind like this is going to be way less time away from me and everything else if he gets the dog right <laughs> 10 years later yeah that was the all-time backfire on her but um yeah so I, so I got this dog and, and honestly you know you don't know what you don't know you know I was 22 or 23 years old didn't know anything hadn't done a lot of research um and and I got this dog from a, a breeder by Oshkosh um she had health clearances, but, you know, just, a, just a hunting dog. And, um, my roommate at the time lived in Iowa and we went down and pheasant hunted a couple times that first year. And the second time we were down there, she just started to lock up on point. And I didn't even know labs did that, but we all thought, well, that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And, uh, the next year I, I moved to South Dakota actually. <laughs> okay. and, uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm getting in with this group of guys and they, they're all in the same field as me and, and we're, we're at work together. And, and then they've got setters and Britneys and they're all big pheasant hunters. And I'm like, well, yeah, I have this, this lab and, and she points and they all laughed at me and they're like, they don't do that. And then we went out and trained and they put some pigeons out and lo and behold, this goofy yellow lab of mine just locked up on point. I mean, tripod and everything, you know, just and they just couldn't believe it. And uh, they said, yeah, you know, we've heard of these pointing labs but most of them are kind of a joke, but your dog actually like, she points. <laughs> yeah, told you I wasn't making it up and I don't know anything about training at the time. So it's not like I could have trained her to do it. Right, right. So um, we're living out there. My girlfriend is now my fiance and then we get married and, and I'm out hunting 50 or 60 days a year with this dog. Cause I moved to duck and pheasant heaven. You did. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. It was fantastic. <laughs> so it wasn't um, 10 years before your wife's plan backfired. It was like two. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, yeah. <laughs> and, and so we're coming home, you know, after hunting all day and the dogs all wore out, I'm wore out and we plop down on the couch and she's like, you know, you guys are no fun. You, you're gone all day. You come home, you're, you're tired. You leave me here by myself. And I said, well, I guess I could get you a dog and then I could rotate the two dogs. So I didn't wear this one out so bad. <laughs> and then when I'm gone with this one, you'd have a buddy. So this time, you know, I, I did some homework. I found out that there's people that actually breed these, these labs at point. Uh -huh. And uh, I found a breeder in, in Minnesota, not too far from where we lived. And, and the dad, the sire was a grandmaster pointing retriever with the pointing lab association. So I'd started to do some homework. And so we got this wonderful little black male and uh, he was just my wife's buddy forever, you know, mm -hmm. Well, I can't your wife went for that, by the way. Yeah, I That's... thought I was a genius. Right? <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this little guy, he uh, he was about six months old, and we took him out. And we're training, and, and it was kind of warm. But uh, and in South Dakota, you can run your dog on public land after August first. So we would go out to these public land areas and and work the dogs on wild pheasants. And it was a little warm and he got a little tipsy and I thought, oh boy, I wonder if he got a little bit of heat exhaustion or something. And so we stopped right away and cooled him down and went home. And a couple of weeks later we were out, it was a cooler day and, and the same thing happened. And, and turned out he, uh, he had the exercise induced collapse syndrome. Oh, wow. And this was, he was born before the test existed. Sure. And, uh, so we, we had to, um, you know, I, I, figured it out i just did research and sent in a blood test and the university of minnesota had just come out with the test and yep that's what he had so so my wife ended up with her with her best friend um and he stayed at home all the time but couldn't uh couldn't hunt really sure yeah so another crazy harebrained idea i'm like well i only solved half my problem now so i, I still have to get another <laughs> dog to hunt with so now I'm looking through dogs that have have even more health health tests and you know even higher titles and all this stuff. And I find a different breeder in Minnesota, and 
and I found this great sire named Roscoe, and and he was just at the time he was one of the best best dogs out there. And I went over, I watched him work, I watched the dam work. I'm like, yep, this seems like a good idea. So I get this little put a deposit down. I get this little white female. She's just a little handful, and uh, <laughs> became friends with the breeder. And, uh, you know, I was training her and I'm like, yeah, she's got a lot of potential. And so he convinced me to, to let him run her in some hunt tests. He was just getting going in the game and, and really making a name for himself too. And, and so in APLA um, tests or in like HRC, AKC, uh, AKC and APLA. APLA. Yep. So, so, uh, um, took her over and, and Troy, Benson's his name at North Star Pointing Lab. So he started training her and I started training with him and we were learning a lot together. And, you know, she ended up getting all the way up through her uh, um, grandmaster pointing retriever and got her junior and senior titles in AKC. And, and uh, she was, she's a lot of dog, right? And that's the first dog we bred and, and everything's sort of been a slippery slope downhill since I got hooked on the hunt tests and, and uh, <laughs> you know we kept a puppy and then if one thing led to another and here we are 10 years 10 years later and we're on our fourth generation and it's awesome it's incredible yeah. how we, go ahead how many dogs do you own now <laughs> I, I always laugh about when people ask me that one because they're coming and going once in a while but um and i co-own a couple so i think we have eight and then we co-own um two males and a retired female. So, but I think we have, we have eight. I just got a new puppy. So they're, they range from three months to um, 12 years old. Now we, the, the very first two dogs in the story, um, they both are, are gone now. So. Okay. Okay. Um, and are you, are you training other people's dogs as well? Or are you just training and running your own dogs? Um, we do a, we do a limited amount of, uh, client dog training. Um, I do a couple a month, uh, for force fetch in the winter. And then during the summer, when, uh, when I'm off from the university, I, I take on about half a dozen, uh, client dogs and, and we do run them in competitions for the people, HRC, APLA, occasionally AKC, um, mostly, uh, mostly do a lot of our own puppies. Yeah. yeah. So people that buy puppies from us and want them, want bird work done with them and stuff like that. We do a lot of that, sure. which is uh, fantastic because it gives you good legitimate feedback on what worked and what didn't work with your breedings. And so, you know, uh, you know how to improve those each time. So sure. Sure. Um, and with, so all those puppies that are coming back, um, are, are, you know, are those owners, are they wanting, their dogs to run in APLA tests in, in like hunt tests, or are they looking just for like a, a really quality gun dog that happens to point? Um, it's a mix, probably a majority are looking for a really good gun dog that can also be a good family pet. Sure. Um, you know, that we, we actually only sell to hunters now, uh, okay. hunting homes. Um, and in competition homes, but we do get some that, uh, that do like to run competitions. And, and if, if we have room, we take them in, otherwise, uh, refer them over to some other good trainers around the country that we trust. So. Sure. Sure. No, that makes sense. Um, and then are, are you working on anything big right now? Um, kennel wise at your, at your, at your uh, yeah. operation? Yeah, we just, um, we just finished putting up our brand new kennel facility. So the only thing we have left to do is get the water lines tied in. So it's a, it's a brand new 15 run indoor facility. Um, it's got uh, in-floor heat. Um, it's got a huge 100 by 25 airing yard off the back. Jeez. Doors right, open right into it. Um, pull my trailer right in and park to load and unload the dogs. Hello. So, yeah, it's uh, we've been saving our nickels for for about eight years on this, and and we finally did it. So it's a it's a very nice steel building. Um, 
fully fully indoor uh the dogs love it so i mean that's it's a all year round like perfect setup i mean yep 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 we can go out there in the winter and and you know do training do uh dog breedings whatever we need to do it's it's ready to rock so it's fantastic it's awesome so you um your wife went from convincing you convincing you to get a dog to now building a a you know 15 dog run great big you know uh building you know that you know you can back a trailer into and it's pretty that's a pretty incredible story actually yeah it's it's been uh completely organic so all the pros um proceeds and and you know profits that we've made over the years have just gone back into the into the program whether it was buying wingers or a bird launcher and building up to larger things like dog trailer to mm-hmm. ultimately you know this this uh, culminating in this brand new uh, state-of-the-art kennel facility so sure um yeah it's been a process sure yeah and who like um who taught you or who got you started with like learning how to train pointing labs yeah so i had like i said some of the the guys that I worked with out in South Dakota were, were pretty hardcore pheasant hunters and, and they had started going to these Rick Smith, Rick and Ronnie Smith, Hunt Smith seminars. Yes. Yes. I'm and hearing so, more and more of that actually. And I need, I need to learn a lot. I need to go in depth on that. Cause that's something I hadn't heard of until recently. Yeah. I, I really, I was really drawn to it. Um, as somebody who initially got into this as just the, just the gun dog guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you've ever hunted wild public land pheasants in South Dakota, especially late season, you know, if you sneeze or you close the car door too loud, you can watch the field empty. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the, the notion that we could run our dogs and hunt them without having to say a word to them, which is the premise of their silent command system, was mm-hmm. really intriguing. And, and uh, it does work. It works excellent. So my friend, Brian, uh, Brian Grabby, he's got a setter kennel. He's got a couple, couple British labs out there as well, but he got me hooked and and took me to one of these seminars and we did a lot of training together out there. And, and then, uh, like I said, Troy got me into the hunt test game. And, and from there, it was a lot of trial and error, a lot of learning, a lot of watching videos. When I moved back to Wisconsin here, um, I got in with the uh, Muddy Waters HRC club and learned from a lot of people in that, uh, you know, Perry Stewart was a big influence on me. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's a trainer in Michigan named Dale Swiderski at Hunter's Rose Kennels. I've learned a ton from Dale. He's a fantastic pointing lab trainer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, the, my, my big top dog right now, Teddy, um, I bought Teddy, Teddy, it's a funny story. We'll talk about another time, but he was the leftover puppy. And, uh, I bought him, I bought him from a a full-time professional trainer named Carolyn Elam. Carolyn lives in Ohio. She's just a a wonderful human being. Um, just a fantastic teacher of dogs. You know, she's an excellent trainer, excellent handler. And, uh, I, I just, Pretty much every year I go down and I train for a week with Carolyn and pick her brain. And I'm like, okay, teach me something today. Um, you know, show me what I did wrong. Um, sure. I love going to hunt tests with her and having her watch. You know, I, I think I've become a pretty good handler. There's always room to improve. But when I first mm-hmm. started, you know, I'd come back and I'd be like, all right, what, what did, what did I do wrong? Right. Actually, when I first started, I was like, you know, if the dog didn't do, didn't do a great job, I'd be mad at the dog. Well, (laughs) Carolyn was the one who educated me and taught me, you know, you you need to stop doing that. Look yourself in the mirror and say, what did I do wrong? Mm -hmm. Right. And whether that is in, did I do something wrong in training? Did I do something wrong getting the dog off the trailer? Did I do something wrong in the holding blind? Did I do something wrong at the line? What did I not do to set the dog up for success? Mm-hmm. And as soon as you can admit that most of the time it's your fault, yes, then you all of a sudden you can become a much better trainer and handler. You know, the, the old cliche of um, you have one mouth and two ears. So 
talk as much as you listen mm-hmm. uh you know it's it's a humbling experience you know to to fail at a test and things like that but but you can learn a lot from it especially if you can have good mentors that can give you really good feedback so absolutely absolutely so. um and speaking of teddy here so what um teddy is pretty famous dog um how would how would you describe him and what are what are some of his accolades and accomplishments yeah, how would I describe Teddy? Um, Teddy is uh, my daughter's snuggle buddy <laughs> who happens to have one of the best upland points of any pointing lab I've ever seen and happens to be one of the most accomplished retrievers in the hunt test game and happens to be a certified therapy dog now. Um, <laughs> You know, he's just a, he's, he's a, he's a unicorn, right? Mm-hmm. You just don't find these things. So um, he's super mellow. I mean, he's literally sleeps occasionally in a holding blind at a hunt test, even yes. at the grand, um, <laughs> you know, so he, he's uh he's one of just a handful of dogs on earth um, that have his hunt test title. So he, he has his grand hunting retriever champion title. Um, with HRC. He's a master hunter with AKC. He's a four-time grandmaster pointing retriever with the APLA. He's got over 700 championship points in HRC. Like I said, he's a certified therapy dog with the Alliance of Therapy Dogs. Now we're, we're going to start going into nursing homes here uh, once the COVID Easy. stuff relaxes and um, AKC good citizen and all that sort of stuff. So when did- um, when did the uh, when did you get the um, certification for uh, therapy dog? Just uh, just this spring. Okay. We had it on the agenda last last year, and and uh, we were unable to do any of the testing just due to all the COVID issues yeah. with with everything. So, uh, but we were able to to get out and do the testing for all that this spring. So, yeah, it's exciting. That's- that's uh that's that's amazing are you gonna i mean what's next for him like what are your what's left to accomplish and and go out and do yeah so i mean from a hunt test perspective i I still our goal is to get to a thousand points in hrc sure um and after that really um let my kids run them if they if they want to run them in some hunt tests sure just just let them do that and otherwise uh retire them to uh hunt and sleep on the couch and he's he sleeps in bed with my oldest daughter almost every night and and uh yeah just let him live out his glory days so i mean he's only seven so he's still got a lot a lot of tread on the tires but he he does he does and that's um uh so before before we started recording um i was talking to justin and i was like yeah um after after my dog blew up at at the muddy waters test last year on Sunday, I'm walking back. I'm all upset. My dog is, you know, feeding off of my energy and is just a total nutcase. I walk back and there's Justin laying down, taking a nap next to Teddy, who's completely passed out as duck calls and gunshots are going off. And I'm like, huh, look at that. Um, so that, that, if that gives you any indication, like that's, that's Teddy and, yeah, it's it's amazing. It's a it, unicorn is a, you know, a very very um, good description. I would say. Yeah, yeah, he's a. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'm sure I'll never get another one like him, but we're gonna keep trying. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And you said he was a four-time Grandmaster Pointing Retriever champion. Yes, sir. Yeah. Okay. All right. I think that's. Um, that's a good segue then into APLA tests and we'll, we'll work our way up on how to get there, but, um, APLA tests, I don't think they're that well known. I've heard of it. I'm not overly familiar. I've never been to a test. I've never run in one of these tests. So, um, this is going to be an education experience for me. Um, and I'm excited to learn. So APLA, what is the APLA? Like what, how long has it been around, um, you know, what, what organization is it affiliated with? Yeah. So, so it stands for the American pointing Labrador association. Um, it's, it's been around for probably about 20 years, um, maybe a little longer. It's really, it's a national organization. It's really grown a lot, probably in the last five years, I would Mm -hmm. say. Um, 
it is now affiliated as of about a year ago with the UKC. Okay. So the UKC is now recognizing the, the titles and things. So, um, so you have to have a UKC registration to run your dog in the APLA, very similar in that respect to HRC. Sure. Um, so that, that's, uh, it's just a nonprofit organization similar to HRC. It's a group of hunting advocate people that um, have pointing labs and sure. that spread out all over the country. There's some regional hotspots. There's a lot of people in the Midwest. There's a lot of people in, in Colorado. There's a group in kind of the Pacific Northwest. There's a few people on the East Coast, um, but okay. it's definitely spreading. That's for sure. Okay. All right. And then, um, so that's a good high level overview. What, as far as the tests themselves, what, you know, we're evaluating pointing labs, we're evaluating the, you know, a lab's natural ability to point, correct? Yeah. So, so there's three levels, very similar to, you know, the structure of AKC with junior, senior, master, or HRC started season finished. Uh, in the APLA, there's the certified, the advanced, and the master. Okay. And and the cert the certified level um, is more or less a natural abilities test, to be okay. honest with you. Um, so the it consists of of an upland portion um, where they put out three chuckers. It's um, you know pretty light cover, about five acre field, three to okay. five acres. Uh, dogs got about fifteen minutes to work the field. Um, and really they're, the, they're trying to evaluate, does the dog hunt? We're evaluating the nose and the, and the natural point. Okay. Okay. So can you, can you woe your dog or do they have to point first? Yeah. So, so at all levels, um, once your dog enters the scent cone and, and if you've ever seen a pointing dog work, it's pretty obvious when they hit the scent cone, mm -hmm. um, so, so once they hit the scent cone, you're not allowed to talk to them until they have established a point mm -hmm. and, and the judges, um, recognize it. Okay. So, and once they have established the point, so all four feet have stopped moving, you know, they're frozen, they're, they're pointing, uh, then you can give a steadying command okay. or, or whatever you want to call it. Yep. Okay. Okay. So, and then how, how long does the, do they have to hold the point for? Yeah. So at the certified level, it's only five seconds. We're like I said, we're really trying to evaluate that natural ability and, and are they pointing, but five seconds is at least long enough that it's not just a flash point sure. type yep. of behavior. Uh, at the higher levels advanced and, and master it's minimum 10 seconds. And we can talk more about master. It's, they have to be studied wing and shot there. Yeah. So really it's a lot longer yeah. than 10 seconds, but sure. Sure. certified. Yeah. It's, it's five seconds, um, minimum. Right. Okay. Yep. So, and then what happens? So you, your dog hits five seconds and then can they break in on the bird or do you get marked on for that? Or do you have to give them the command to, to go in and flush or flush it yourself? Yeah. So, so at that level, you can, if they, if after five seconds, they break point, there's no down score at the, at the beginning level. Um, they're really just, we want to make sure that that dog has some natural pointing ability. Um, you can, flush the bird the gunner can flush the bird okay or if the dog flushes the bird after the five seconds then it's a it's a scored point okay right how many how many so there's three birds you said how many scored points do you have to have um out of the three birds um it depends on the conditions if you don't have at least one obviously right yeah you don't carry um not usually all three. Um, okay. Usually if, if, you know, unless it's really questionable, like, ah, the guy said, whoa, before the dog established point or like sure. right at the time and, yeah. or you no, know, then you, we might need to see all three, but usually um, one or two really good ones will, will get you carried to the second series. Okay. So one, one or two really good ones. And then if you, if your dog bumps the third one or um, it's, you, you're okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. At that level. Yep. Okay. And then carry. So carry on. So there's, what is the, the next portion of the test then after the upland portion? 
Yeah, so at the basic entry level, the certified level, um, then they go and do two single water retrieves. Okay. So very similar to like a HRC started test, they're, they're splash birds. Basically, can your dog, will your dog get out, swim, pick up a duck and bring it back to you? Mm-hmm. Um, it does not have to deliver to hand, but it has to be within a reasonable step. Okay. So okay. very analogous to the HRC started. Okay. Yeah. And going back to the upland portion, um, does your dog have to retrieve those shot birds as well? Yes. Yep. Again, within one reasonable step okay. at, the, at the entry level. Yep. If you don't retrieve it, then you, you're out. You fail. Okay. All right. Yep. And, and this is, you know, real, real chuckers, real live ammunition, um, unless it's a safety situation where the bird flies up a gallery or a truck sure. or something. Then they do a simulated retrieve. So you call the dog in and um, have them sit down and then they'll take a dead chucker and throw it and shoot in the air. And then your dog has to retrieve that. Okay. But otherwise, yeah, we're, we're actually shooting the birds. So. Okay. All right. Uh, that makes sense. The water portion makes, makes a lot of sense. Are, are you carrying a gun? I mean, there's a gunner who's actually going to shoot, but are you carrying like a, uh, you know, a, a 870 with poppers in it? Um, in the APLA, the only person that carries the gun is the, the actual gunner in the test. So, okay. nope, you, you as the handler are not doing a primer pistol or a poppers or anything. So. Okay. Okay. Excellent. Um, let's see. Uh, what, uh, what is going to get your dog failed besides, you know, bumping three birds? Is there anything else that will get your dog failed? Uh, eating a bird, okay. Um, not retrieving, uh, not pointing, um, running out of the field and not coming back. Okay. If there's a missed bird. Um, <laughs> yeah. A missed bird or if they bump one and sure. they just, the, you know, young dogs, their brain turns going. off, they yep. keep going. And, um, or if, you know, you, you don't have enough bird contacts and you run out of time. Sure. Um, usually that doesn't happen. Um, but occasionally it can, if you have really green fields where sending conditions are very tough and it's yes. warm and stuff yep. like that. Yep. Um, yep. so those are the big ones. Um, uh, occasionally, you know, depending on the water, we usually ask that the dog at least gets the bird out of the water. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to deliver to hand, but we don't want you as the handler having to go in the drink after them. So, <laughs> you know, we have had, uh, I have seen dogs or have had to fail dogs on that. Sure. Where, you know, they bring it back, but they, they're not going to get it out of the water for you. Yeah. So, okay. um, but like I said, the, the certified level is, is the, um, we're really trying to evaluate for the most part, basic, you know, basic abilities is this dog got some desire does it hunt does it point does it bring your birds back sure sure so and then uh what like where should your dog be at in like a training process when they're running this level i mean i'm assuming the age demographic is usually skews younger in this in the certified uh test yeah yeah um i mean i think the there's no minimum that i can think of um but i i'd say generally most of the dogs are somewhere in the, you know, 10 months to two years range. I've seen them as young as six months, um, <laughs> you know, and, and sometimes older, um, yeah. but, but usually, you know, ballpark average age is probably a year, year and a half, somewhere in there. Okay. So. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Um, that gives me a good idea of about certified and, and that level uh, how many passes do you need to get though, before you earn that certified title and move on to advanced? Yeah. So, so you need two passes at the certified level to earn the title. Okay. Perfect. And then you move up and you run, you run advance. That's the, yep. the, the mid level. That's the season senior equivalent, essentially. Um, since yeah. there's three tiers. Yeah. I would say that the advanced is, is definitely closer to the season level, uh, retriever work. So in advance, it's a, it's a big jump. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a water double retrieve. Okay. It's a land double retrieve. There's a land blind. 
of how long about 40 to 50 yards okay um but it's a separate series similar to hrc's season where it's not incorporated with the marks okay so you run yeah. your double and then you walk over and run your blind yeah or you run your blind first or just okay. depends yeah the the one rule in advanced is you have to run the the land blind before the upland series and the rationale for that is that um upland letting your dog get out and hunt in the upland is is very much uh, anti yes. to what uh, running a blind is so so we try to make it fair for the dogs when they're already under stress at a hunt test scenario like let's get that blind out of the way before we have them go and run up one so that makes so much sense because i was i was thinking about that and i'm like looking at you know okay there's a blind right you your dog needs to be 100 percent engaged and you know taking every cast taking every whistle in the upland field it's very much um the dog doing most of the work and doing most of their own thing you may guide them a little bit with um you know with a quartering whistle or something like that but it's it's a lot of them um doing the work versus relying on you and so those things you know going being counterintuitive running upland first i was like boy that would make the blind really really hard yeah yeah they're they're you know the blind is like turn your nose off turn your ears on um and be compliant and be a team player and then the upland obviously you want to be a team player but it's turn your nose on and yeah and be a little bit independent and get out yes. and find those birds so yeah they and, and honestly that's one of the reasons that sometimes the dogs that, that run APLA when they get to some of the other hunt test venues they might be on average a touch older sure and it, it's because you have to spend a lot of time on that upland training. It really does take a, you know, a lot of time and it, and it competes a little bit with some of the retriever stuff to yeah. some extent. Absolutely. I mean, I, I'm just thinking about like my own experiences with my, my own dog. Right. I mean, we come out of, I could, we'll call it game farm season, guiding season, whatever you want to call it, you know, in really the end of March and start, you know, blinds are really quite rusty in April. I mean, it is like, yep. you know, Mr. Independent out there, um, you know, yep. doesn't want to work. You know, it's, he's like, this is my show. I'm supposed to go out and find the birds. Like, you don't need to tell me where to go. I'll go, I'll go do it myself. This is what I've been yep. doing for six months. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> all right. Um, all right. So the advanced level, you said it's a, it's a big step up. So, um, you know, what's, what's bigger? Is it field birds? Um, you know, the, I, the level of points you already mentioned, uh, like the, the length of time, the dog has to yeah. hold the point. Yeah. So the, the field itself is larger. Um, we're up to five to 10 acres, still fairly light cover. Um, we, we try not to use super thick cover for the test because it makes it harder to judge the dog. You can't sure. see them very well. You can't see them. You can't judge them. So uh, advance a little bit bigger field. It's still three chuckers. You have 20 minutes because it's a larger field. Um, and then they have to hold point for a minimum of 10 seconds. And we're now expecting a, a lot better obedience in the sure. upland field, right? Like if your dog runs out of the field and blows you off on whistles a whole bunch, your cooperation score is going to be probably too low to, to pass. Sure. So um, you know, it's a, it's a big step up in, in that respect. And then obviously the fact that you're have double retrieves on land and water and a blind is, you know, mm -hmm. a big step. So. Mm -hmm. Okay. And does your, does your dog need to be steady to, to wing, steady to steady to shot, steady to fall? Uh, not in the upland field. So obviously they have to be steady um, on the retriever work. Yes. But for advanced level, they don't have to be steady to wing and shot in the upland field. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, what, so, you know, what is, what is the age demographic for, for this test? And like, what, where should a dog be at in say, like the, the progression of a retriever, traditional retriever training program? Yeah. So I would say for me, myself, um, I like to at least have my dog through transition running 
simple land blinds before I'm going to do this one. Sure. Um, some people maybe, you know, they, if they, if they're doing pattern blinds and they'll take a line, they, they let her roll, you know, and other people, <laughs> other people might be the opposite where if they're not through swim by yet, they're just, I'm not going to run them in a test. So, yeah, yeah. Um, but, but it, given that you, you have to have a land blind and we all know that when you get to a test, the dogs have a lot more distractions, especially these young dogs. So yep. um, I, I always like to be over, over prepared personally. So I agree. I, yeah. Absolutely. I would, I would rather have shown my dog pretty much everything they're going to see at a test rather than getting to a test and, um, you know, being like, Hmm, wow, he's never seen this before. Let's see, let's see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, I cringe when I'm judging and I hear that like, Oh, my dog hasn't seen that before. It's like, Ugh. yes, yes. I, and I make that statement that I, you know, want to have my dog, you know, I agree with your sentiment that I want to have them overprepared. And that's that I would say that's not how I was running finish last year. Um, but you know, that, 2020 was a crazy year. That's all I'm going to say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> for a number of reasons. All right. Uh, okay. How how many passes does a dog need at the advanced level? So if you have a certified title, you only need one pass at advanced to get the advanced title. If you have not run it certified, then you need two. Okay. Okay. Um, and then did we, did we miss anything on advance? Mm, I don't think so. I think that's, most of it yeah like i just it yeah. went so quick <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't think master's gonna go as quick so um your dog has earned their certified uh pointing labrador title then the advanced now they move up to master so what is involved yeah. in the master test this is this is the big boy test right here yep yep so master um is a land double a water double retrieve. There's a land blind and a water blind. They are incorporated with the marks. Okay. You will get a diversion bird on okay. one of the two series. Um, and I would say in general, this is our most variable test in terms of how hard it is or how challenging it is. Okay. Um, typically this is ballpark of like a senior hunter maybe a challenging senior hunter test not a cupcake one sure um however i have honestly the hardest mark i've ever seen at a hunt test was in a master apla test um so yeah um you get you get some variability in there but can, uh can you handle on marks the marks in an apla test yeah it's it's very similar to, you know, an AKC test or an HRC test. Um, unless there's really extenuating circumstances, they're going to want to see one clean double yep. of the two. Sure. Um, there's no handle in the area of the fall stuff like HRC. It's judged more like an AKC test. It's a handle or it's not. Mm -hmm. um, and the, and the blinds are, are very similar in the, you know, we want to be in a fairly tight corridor, yep. you know, and obviously at master, the, the amount of control is expected to be very high. Yes. Um, yep. yep. So. Okay. Yeah. It's uh, I mean, it gets, it gets pretty complex, you know, technical just depends on what's, what's available, you know, where the tests are at, what you sure. might see. So. Sure. Sure. And I assume the blinds are, are challenging blinds, right? We're going, we're running, you know, we're shooting the gap on the marks or running through an old fall. Or... Yep. Under the arc. Um, you know, you name it. Yep. Okay. Yep. Okay. Uh, what are the, what are the, like the distances on the blinds and the marks? A uh, hundred yards. hundred yards. Or so. Okay. All right. Yep. And really in the HRC range for the most part. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, all right. And then, as far as the upland work goes, what does that look like? Yeah, so the, there's four birds, four chuckers, um, 10 acres, variable cover. So you're going to get some thicker stuff, uh, some lighter stuff. Um, 
10 seconds on point, uh, high level of control. Um, and then the dog has to be steady to wing and shot. So essentially after the 10 count or, you know, your dog's hunting, they find a bird, they go on point. Once they're on point, you can give a steadying command like, whoa, um, judges will, will tell you when you've hit your time, you know, you've hit your 10 count. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you can have the dog flush, you can flush or the gunner can flush, um, personal preference i think you're insane to have your dog flush because if your dog catches a bird and master you're out <laughs> um even you know yeah even on if you tell them to flush so so yeah don't do that that's my advice for you uh, um now whether the gunner flushes or you flush sometimes that depends on where the bird's at and sure. you know if it's hot and you're on your fourth bird contact and it's 90 degrees and the dog's tongue's hanging out of their mouth and they're pointing from three inches away. Uh, yeah, you might want to be the one to move the bird so the dog doesn't break. So, um, so yeah, once the, the bird is produced, which means um, kicked up and flying or kicked and it takes off running, that's produced. Uh, your dog has to remain steady. And let's say the bird gets kicked up and flushed, the gunner shoots the bird lands, the judge will tell you when you can release your dog to go retrieve that bird. Okay. So That's... if you send them early, if the dog goes early, it's a controlled break, or if they go early and they don't stop, it's an uncontrolled break and you're out. Um, you get basically one controlled break in the upland. Okay. So, okay. So it's, it's almost like uh, AKC where the judge like, has to release you exactly yep they'll say dog or your number or... yep okay interesting and then there's there's four birds in the field how many does your dog have to um actually make bird contact within point for the 10 seconds yeah so at master level they're they're definitely looking for um more the the more the better so okay. um usually you need to find all four birds okay unless unless it's really hot okay so if, if the conditions dictate that that nobody's finding four birds or the dogs it's unsafe um you know because you're running these tests in in the spring and the fall early fall so it's sure. oftentimes still pretty darn warm uh especially for labs right they are they are a little thicker coated than a than a short hair or something mm -hmm. so um so I personally have never seen a dog pass master that had only one pointed bird. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there is an example. I, I've not been around for, you know, that for only about eight or eight years or so, but sure. Um, but usually it's at least two, oftentimes three, and, and sometimes you need to have all four birds. Okay. Context, so, okay. So if you're uh, hypothetical, so you're, your dog uh, hits that 10 second threshold, steady to wing shot and fall on the first three. And the fourth bird, um, you know, doesn't hold the point for the entire 10 seconds, busting on the bird. Is that a fail? Only if they catch it. Only if they catch it. Okay. Yep. Yep. So if you had the first three, you're steady to wing and shot, and they, they get the fourth bird contact, and, you know, the bird moves or something, and the dog goes in or, the dog just gets wound tight because it's had four four birds in the upland. Uh, yep. Uh, it's a severe downgrade if they have a willful flush. Okay. So typically, you know, depends a little bit on the judge and, and, and the performance of the dog in general. Um, you know, if they were steady to wing and shot on the first three and they had one willful flush at the end, unless they – had really atrocious retriever series and barely made it through and their total number of points don't add up high enough mm -hmm. that one actual act typically wouldn't cause you to fail okay 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 that makes sense and then i i assume there can be extra birds out in the field right oh, birds yeah. get pushed around so if your dog makes four bird contacts um are you done or do you have to hunt for the duration of your time Nope. It's, it's the duration of the time or your four bird contacts. Um, so yeah, if you've got four, 
four uh, good contacts, then the judges will tell you to leash them up. Okay. So, okay. Mission accomplished at that point. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I like to tell them, put a leash on the dog before it does something stupid. <laughs> before before you bump a bird, right? Bump an yeah. that's running around out there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. And then um, I don't think I asked that at the advanced level, right? So there's three, you said three birds out in the, in the yeah. field there. How many, how many dog, how many birds of those three does the dog need to need to point for the 10 seconds? That one's a little variable too. Obviously a minimum of one, if they don't okay. point any, you're, you're not going to pass. Right, right, right. Um, so it, it may depend on the, you know, if you, if you've got one good point and let's say the second bird, your dog's on point and it flushes wild, mm -hmm. right? Your dog didn't do anything wrong. They, yeah. they were frozen and the bird was spooky and, and it flushes. And then maybe the, your third bird contact, they bump one on the upwind side. Didn't even know it was there, they're hunting. Well, now you've had your three bird contacts, your dog did nothing wrong. Mm -hmm. um, in that case, usually as the judge, they're usually gonna let you stay out there and see if you can find a leftover. Sure. And try to get you another bird contact. Mm -hmm. But let's say you run out of time and you don't, you're, you're kind of in a gray area. You, you know, if you, if you smash the retriever series and your total points are really high, they, and, and maybe if none of the other dogs did real great in the upland, it was real tough sending conditions. Um, Cause as a judge, they have to take that into account. It's not a field trial, right? It's not a winner loser, but mm -hmm. if all the dogs are struggling, then, and it's hot or something, then you sort of realize like conditions are tough. So, so maybe our expectations have to be relative to the field that day. Mm -hmm. uh, but if a dog goes out and they only find one bird and every other dog goes out in five minutes, they've pointed three. It's like, well, okay. <laughs> it wasn't the conditions, right? <laughs> right. So, right. Yeah. It makes sense. I'll make, it makes it, it makes a ton of sense. All right. So uh, going back to master though. So your dog, picks up the double land uh, marks, picks up the uh, double water uh, marks, picks up the land, you know, runs the land, land blind clean, the water blind clean, goes through the upland series, you know, four bird contacts, all good, you pass. How many passes do you need to earn your master title? Um, so if you have no other passes, it's two to get your master and then two more for the, two more or one more for the grandmaster. It, um, if you have an APR title, then you only need one master pass for the master title. Okay. And then two more for the grandmaster. Okay. And okay. then two more for a two time and two more after that for a three and okay. two more for a four. So. Okay. Okay. All right. That's how you get, that's how you get the four, four yeah. time grandmaster pointing retriever. Yep. And four is as high as they go. Okay. All right. How many dogs have the the four time designation? Is oh, that that's a good. Yeah, there's a pretty decent number. I'd um I'd say in the hundreds. Okay. Yeah, I I don't think that there's probably a thousand. I think that would be a stretch, but I I don't. I'm sure there's more than a hundred. Sure, sure. I mean, I you know, I guess if you can keep you know earning additional titles by the two x, three x, four x, why not keep keep running tests yep. you know i mean it makes They're sense expensive. To well yeah yeah <laughs> yes yes are they are they yeah. more expensive than than like the traditional akc hrc on tests yeah just about double for okay. master so it's it's about 155 160 dollars for master and it's because you have both both upland birds and ducks sure right, right. so that that's the big expense um so yeah they, they are more expensive for sure Okay. Okay. All right. The certified's not quite as bad. I think they're 90, you know, 115 or 120 for advanced. But by the time you get to master, it's starting to get pretty spendy. <laughs> you know what? The dog world is just expensive in general. I mean, the deeper you get, the more you spend. I mean, you just, there's always reason to buy more and more stuff. You got to upgrade this, then you want to upgrade that. It's just, you want to run this test and that. It's just amazing, you know? Yep. Um, it's a giant, giant, giant money hole. It's a fun money hole, but it's, a, you know, there's worse things I could spend my money on. That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's what I tell my wife all the time. <laughs> all right. Um, okay. So if someone wants to get started 
You know, they think they have a lab that's either out of pointing lines or that a dog that has maybe flash pointed or shown a little bit of ability to point. Like, how should they get started in training in training for an APLA test or learning more? Or are there clubs or how does that work? Yeah, so they're just sort of in their infancy of starting to develop some regional clubs. It's been something that myself and a handful of other people have been kind of lobbying the, the board to work on. Um, but they're, they're starting to. So there are a few uh, here in our area. There's there's really a handful of people that have pointing labs. And, sure. and the, your best bet is just to reach out to myself or or a couple other people and we can kind of you know, I can kind of get you in, in with some different crews and, and people to, to work with. Um, there is some good material out there. Um, a, a lady from Colorado, Julie Knudsen, has a book on training pointing labs. And, yes. and it's got some, you know, it's got some stuff that I really like. Um, I really like Julie's philosophies on things. Her and I see, see eye to eye philosophically. We have some different methods for how we do things, but sure. Um, sure. like a lot of trainers do, there's more than one way to, to skin the cat. So, yep. yep. Um, but, I'm familiar yeah, with, that, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say her, her book's a good place to start. Um, you know, there's, I, I actually just use a lot of the traditional pointing breed stuff for Upland, the sure. Hunt Smith, Rick and Ronnie's silent command system. Um, some, uh, some of Bill West stuff. Um, there's a website that has videos, uh, steady with style. I really like that stuff. Okay. Um, a lot of it is about, you know, one of the, one of the mistakes, a lot of young trainers that have a pointing lab do is, is they really try to use pressure a lot to teach the dog. And, and that's a big mistake in my opinion. Um, you, you just need to let the birds teach the dog. Like they'll learn more on their own and, and from interacting with the birds than you can ever teach them. So your job as a trainer is to put them in, in situations that where they are conducive to learning really. So. Yeah, absolutely. It, um, you want to go a little bit deeper on that though, too. We, we talked a little bit before we started yeah. recording. And so I'm giving away good. the, I'm giving away trade secrets here, but that's okay. Uh, we can cut this out if you want. I mean, no, no, no. I'm just kidding. Uh, so, so I learned this from uh, you know a couple of very good uh, pointing lab trainers a long, long time ago, and they they said you got to realize that you're dealing with a Labrador first and foremost, and a Labrador's primary objective is to bring you something, right? Is to retrieve you something, is to get that bird in their mouth and bring it back to you. So instead of fighting the battle of it, um, use it to your advantage. Right. And, mm -hmm. and the advantage is when these dogs are young or when you're teaching them up one stuff, you're really working with them. Uh, if they if they do what they're supposed to do and point the bird, then then you're going to reward them with a retrieve. And when they're little puppies, you know, when I've got a 12 week old puppy out there and, and they point a bird, obviously, I'm not going to blast a shotgun over their head. Um, but I'll just bring a, a bumper or a dead bird or a wing or a starter pistol or something. And, and I'm going to get them their retrieve. Mm -hmm. um, and if they don't do it right, then you just let the bird fly away. And this is, a this is something that runs a little counter to a lot of what the retriever folks do, right? They, they, they do not want your dog to chase at all. Um, mm -hmm. Well, with a pointing lab, you want to let them chase. It's called bump and chase. And a lot of the pointer guys do this too, right? Mm -hmm. um, because the chase actually, when they don't catch it and they, they chase it, it builds point. It gets them so that they're into that, that creep and that stock and that point mode, because they know I can't catch that bird. And by rewarding them for pointing, by getting them the retrieve, you're bringing out more rapidly the natural tendency in the dog. Sure. That's sure. That's, uh, it, it makes sense. It's, uh, it makes a ton of sense. Right. I mean, I've never put it into practice, but it's, uh, yeah. I mean, you're just letting the, you're letting the dog figure it out. And that's, you know, bringing exactly. out, bringing out the natural tendencies. That's, I think that's the phrase you used and it's perfect. It's absolutely yep. perfect. Okay. All right. That makes a whole bunch of sense. I don't have anything else, uh, Justin, as it relates to APLA tests or pointing labs. Um, I do though, always try to finish with what I call a rapid fire session. So I have a okay. list of questions here. Um, 
extra sheet of paper. Uh, and some of them are random. Some of them I ask every person, some of them I wrote down ahead of time. Some of them I just think of off the top of my head. Uh, first thing that comes to your mind, you just shout out the answer. All right. All right. Be careful. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Uh, first one is, uh, what is your training shoe of choice? Training shoe of choice. Uh, Solomon's with Gore-Tex. Okay. Okay. Good answer. Uh, what is your post-training beverage of choice? Uh, Bud Light or bourbon. Okay. Bud Light. That's the first time I've heard that, I do believe, on here. Uh, so you guys are, you're, 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 you're building a, a big kennel operation, right? You're, that building's going up. Any other big plans in 2021, whether they be training, testing, hunting, hunting trips? Ooh, um, we got a lot of hunt tests on the schedule. Nothing that's anything too exciting. Uh, just getting young dogs rolling and getting a few, hopefully a few more points on Teddy. Um, I go to South Dakota and pheasant hunt every year. I go to Iowa and pheasant hunt every year. And one of these years, I'm going to get to Saskatchewan for some ducks. Um, oh, I have stand, standing invites to Montana, Idaho, and Colorado to hunt upland game. And <laughs> I just have to, uh, have to earn enough brownie points from the boss <laughs> to get to go. So make it a family vacation. Yeah. The kids are getting old enough. Maybe we'll start doing that. So. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, you just, you mentioned, uh, earning or earning additional points for Teddy. How often do you actually train Teddy? Is he just on autopilot now? Just shows up and crushes every test. Um, so starting last year, I started to, to kind of ration him a little bit. And I, I was only training him four days a week instead of five or six, like everybody else. Mm -hmm. This year, my plan is to go down to three days a week, most weeks, other than if it's the week before a test, we'll probably hit every day. Sure. Um, like I said, he's only seven. He's not, he's not terribly old, but we're, we're trying to keep mileage down on him. So he, he's around for a long time. And, and yeah, uh, you, you got to keep it fun. Um, like he, he absolutely loves running hunt tests. Contrary to what you might think when you see him snoozing in the holding blind, when he wakes up, he, his tail is wagging and he's ready to rock. Um, uh, but yeah, we want to keep it as fun as possible. You know, they, they could, they see so many setups and things like that. So yeah, we, we, we're scaling them back a little bit to keep the miles down. Makes sense. Makes sense. All right. Uh, what is a random factoid that not many people know about you? Ooh, um, I'll give you two. Uh, I grew up on the Canadian border, okay. so I like to joke that I speak fluent Canadian. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, hey, Derek. and my, my <laughs> right, pitter patter, right? So uh, my real job, my, my quote unquote real job when I'm not doing this stuff, I'm actually a, um, a professor, a fisheries and natural resource professor at, at University of Wisconsin-Stevens Point. So um, this is my, my second job. That's, so. that, that's okay. Uh, so do future game wardens come through your, your uh, class? Yeah. Yeah. I have the game wardens and the fish and wildlife biologists and some of the environmental education people. And yep, I get all of them in at least one or two classes. So I try to, uh, I try to remind them that they're the face of the agency and to be nice <laughs> and, and that there are enough people that do stupid things. You don't have to hunt everybody down. They will come to you. Trust me. <laughs> Nowadays they just post it on social media. Exactly. So <laughs> All right. Uh, what is your favorite food? Oh uh, boy, I'd say venison tenderloin. It's a good answer. It's a very good answer. Although I, I had buffalo tenderloin I made for my wife and family for Mother's Day this weekend, and that was pretty incredible. Was it was it as big a hit with the rest of the family as it was with you? Yes, actually. Okay. Wow. Yep. Wow. Yep. All right. Uh, last one is what do you do for fun besides work with dogs? What do I do for fun besides work with dogs? I don't know how much more fun I can have. 
right, well, let me ask it this way. What is another, do you have any other hobbies besides working with dogs, uh, training dogs, uh, or is that it? Yeah. So obviously hunting is, is obviously tied in with it. I do deer hunt. Um, uh, that's, that's one of my favorite, um, few days of the year. I see my, my family, we, we have a, a family farm in Southern Wisconsin that we get together and, and spend a week there and, and hunt deer. That's a good time. Um, I enjoy fishing. I don't have a lot of time to do it anymore. Um, and otherwise I guess, uh, playing with my kids so yeah that's good that's fair that's perfect that's a good way to wrap it up all right before we before we depart though justin um if people have questions about pointing labs about the apla if they want to learn more about teddy the other dogs in your program your breeding program how can they get in touch with you um whether that's via social media or an email or a website Sure. Yep. Uh, you can hit us up any of those ways. So we're on Instagram, uh, Cooperstown Kennels. We're on Facebook at Cooperstown Kennels. Um, we have a website. If you Google Cooperstown Kennels or it's ckpointinglabs.com. Uh, my email is ckpointinglabs at yahoo.com. Uh, all of our contact information is on all those. Um, be happy to, happy to chat with you, answer any questions. Uh, and I'll throw a shameless plug out. We will be at the uh, Wisconsin Waterfowl Convention Outdoor Expo here in August over in Oshkosh. I don't know if you're Perfect. tied in with that yet, Tyler, but you'll have to check it out. So we're going to be putting on a, a demonstration over there so you can come see Teddy and some of the other dogs. Excellent. I am, I am not tied in, but uh, that doesn't mean I can't attend. That's for sure. Yeah. Sure. Uh, any, any other plugs you want to throw out there? Ooh. No, I think I'll leave it at that. Okay. All right. Perfect. All right. I will, uh, I will let you go, Justin. Thank you. Thanks again for, for jumping on here. Really, really appreciate your time, all the knowledge. Um, I've got a whole bunch of notes here. I need to go back and look at and, um, you know, so I can learn more about APLA tests and, uh, I know we'll be in touch and I'm, I'm sure I'll see you later this summer up at uh, muddy waters. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, one thing I did think of, we do have an APLA test in Wisconsin. June twelfth okay. and thirteenth. Okay. It's uh it's over by Partyville. Okay. Which is just east of Portage, um and I'll be I'll be judging both days so you can come and, and check it out and I'd be happy to answer questions for you. Perfect. I think that's a that's a great last plug. Um, yeah. I'm we'll see if I can swing over. I'd love to watch one actually. I don't know if I can make it work or not, but I will. Uh, I'll let you know if I can. Uh, thanks again though, and uh, we'll be in touch. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it, Tyler. Have a good night. You too, Justin. That's it for this week's episode. If you found value in the content or enjoyed the conversation, I have a few favors to ask. First, hit that subscribe button. Second, share this podcast with another gun dog owner. Those two things uh, would mean the world to me, and they hopefully won't take you more than 30 seconds. Last thing is if you have another 30 seconds, go ahead and leave a review. Your feedback is important and it's what drives this podcast uh, so that I can make changes and improve it going forward.